What's up, everybody? Welcome to this edition of the Bench Bro Sports Podcast. We're glad you could join us today as we're a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splane, Matt. Matt Locke, our guest from Texas, who made it through that storm. He's joining us today. Anthony Routini's here. Brandon Farrell's here. Guys, what's going on? What's up? What's up, everybody? So Matt has just survived a freezing storm. Uh, what, it's 70 degrees now? Everything's perfectly fine? Uh, I think it hit 80 today. 80 degrees. And it was just like 32 the last week. It's not uh, insane. It was, it was single digits. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yep. So you want to specify like how you survived that? I mean, you told me before the show you were drinking literally out of like bottles of water and boiling water. Yeah. So here in San Angelo, it actually started a week prior because uh, the city found chemicals in our water, um, cancer causing chemicals. So San Angelo has actually not had drinkable tap water for about two weeks now. Um we just got it back. We were just taken off a boil water notice today or yesterday. Um, so we had we were dealing with that. And then this weather started. We got about four inches of just solid ice everywhere. Um, and then about 10 and a half inches of snow on top of it. And people may think, oh, but I mean, you're from Pennsylvania. So you're used to the cold weather and the snow. And that's true. But back home in, in Pennsylvania and northern states, the infrastructure, roads, grocery stores, all that, they're prepared for this kind of thing. Um, so if it happens, they're prepared to kind of deal with all everything piling on. Here in Texas, they're not. Um, we had to bring snow plows in from Austin three and a half hours away. Um, grocery stores were, were trying to get food and, and water in, and they were trying to keep up with it all, and it was tough. Uh, there's a lot of grocery stores. Like our Walmarts are still completely bare. Um, it has just been, uh, people have been without power for over a week. Um, it has just been an absolute disaster as far as preparation for a winter storm. Yeah. One of my friends in Houston literally posted a snap. They had no cheese in the grocery store because yeah. it all went bad. Yeah. And what um, you're reporting people, baseball now. <laughs> what yeah, a quick I was turn. at a baseball game today and it was 80 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> That's just insane crazy how the weather is yep meanwhile tampa florida is just like what are you talking about cold front you're it's like 80 degrees down there right brandon (laughs) uh lately it's been really nice yeah i mean we get our we get our days where it's about 30 degrees in the morning and then about 80 degrees in the afternoon um but but no snow luckily dude new york has been awful i hate the cold I'm ready to go down by no. where you guys are, but now look at Matt with like he brought the cold weather with him, so I'm not sure Texas is a safe place anymore. <laughs> hey, I'm All so right, well, sick of the cold. Ah, uh, yeah, dude, I am too. Spring, spring can't go faster. I mean, like spring training already started for baseball, so that's a good sign. So yeah, well, it's it's nice to see everything soon. back. What was that, Brandon? I said, you guys don't have spring up in New Jersey. It's it's summer and winter. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Honestly, seriously, it's like it la- spring lasts like a week, two weeks, and it gets straight to summer. Spring is where all the snow melts, and then it's like, oh, yeah, summertime. <laughs> See, here you just have summer for 360 days of the year, and then the five days are the rest of the seasons. <laughs> just straight on winter, just freezing ice cats and cows and all the ranchers and, like, gone with the crops man that props to you for making through that but 
Let's get through the main part why I wanted to bring you on because you're a big-time Philadelphia Eagles fan, and the Philadelphia Eagles sort of made a huge trade this past <laughs> this past week that may have uh, caused a bit of fumes to go off in the Philadelphia faithful. So the Eagles have agreed to trade Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick that could turn into a first if Carson Wentz plays 70 to 75% of the snaps this season for the Indianapolis Colts. There was rumblings for about weeks now, ever since the season ended for the Eagles. Is Carson Wentz going to be the Eagles guy going forward? Are they going to go to Jalen Hurts? What's going to be the story? Well, it turns out that the Colts made the move, and it was only them. The Bears didn't, if I remember correctly, the Bears didn't make an offer. So it was pretty much the Colts, and that was it. So as a, a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I'm eager to hear what you have to say about your franchise quarterback now putting on a blue and white uniform instead of uh, the midnight green and black uniform. Jeez. Uh, First off, let me say that if I insult someone, I'm sorry, but you may be part of the problem. Number one. <laughs> the the uh, comments from Matt Locke do not reflect Bench Bro's show at all. So whatever he says, go right for it. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> and uh, I've, because I'm a, a, a sports media figure, I've had to kind of keep it buttoned up and, and professional. But it's been tough. Let me start off by saying, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and you can honestly look me in the eye and say that the number one issue with the Philadelphia Eagles last season was Carson Wentz. Take off your Super Bowl gear, take off your hat, and jump off the bandwagon because we don't need you. Um, All right. Is it fact that Carson had a bad season last year? Absolutely. His play was not good at all. But football's a team sport. And while the quarterback is the glorious position that gets either the praise or the hate, depending on how the team goes, if you don't have an offensive line, I mean, what was it? Like 60-some-odd offensive line combinations? 65 sacks. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. Just, I mean, yeah, but oh, yeah. just the difference in the offensive line combinations. Name an NFL quarterback that has ever succeeded with having that many different offensive line combinations. Name an NFL quarterback that has succeeded with playing with practice squad guys at wide receiver and just different receivers every single snap almost. Um. To say that Carson Wentz was the issue just means that you didn't watch the game or you just don't know football. Because Carson was not the issue. Outside of one bad year, Carson is proof that he's a franchise quarterback. But the NFL, and with Eagles fans especially, is for me lately. And in a year that has been absolutely disastrous with no preseason, absolutely crazy injuries happening everywhere, and dealing with the pandemic and having no fans... You can't judge a man's career based on this one season. And that's what everybody seems to be doing. Yeah, it, it was just not a great year for Philadelphia. And there was something going on from the first snap in the Washington game all the way to the last snap for that Eagles team. It was just not really a good season for the Eagles, whether it was injuries with the, what you said with the line combination, the wide receivers. It was just a chaotic mess with the Philadelphia organization, even on the defense side of the ball, too. But, like, it just also, you would expect Carson Wentz to sort of overcome that because we've seen him do that before the year prior. We have. And, again, am I giving him him an excuse? He played terrible. 
yeah. frankly, he, he did not make good play decisions. But the coaching decisions wasn't right either. We saw in 2017 when Carson was an MVP candidate, it was like 60 some odd percent of his snaps or 70 percent of his snaps had him roll out of the pocket. And he was successful when he made plays with his legs. So naturally, the decision then to continue that success is to make it so 70% of his snaps are in the pocket when you've got a disastrous offensive line. Why the hell does that make sense to you as a football coach? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brandon, you what are your have thoughts? a key to making a player oh successful and you completely go away from it and wonder what the heck happened. Well, maybe it's your stupid play calling. Well, maybe why do they keep Miles Sanders in the doghouse? There was a lot. Why, why, when Carson Wentz is clearly struggling, why do you continue to only run the ball 15, uh, 15 times a game? There was right. a play, and I would have to go back and look at the schedule because I don't know off the top of my head right now. But there was one game in the middle of the season where the Eagles won, and Carson Wentz was the quarterback. And that game, they had a season high in carries. Unbelievable. When you put the ball in a running <laughs> back's hand and not have Carson Wentz carry the entire team, the team can win. Crazy happens. Look at 2017 when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You got LeGarrette Blunt, and then you got Jay Ajayi coming in. Two wrecking ball running backs. Right after that, you're going to put Corey Clement, who's just a speed back in. That's going to ease up a lot of the pressure for Carson Wentz when the next seasons you just have no running game at all. Yeah. Brandon, what were your thoughts on the Carson Wentz trade? First initial thoughts. Uh, I think it's – I mean – I'm not trying to insult any Eagles fans, but I think it's best that he's not in Philadelphia anymore. Um, Philly's a tough city to play for, and obviously he got a lot of backlash. And like what was just stated, it obviously wasn't all his fault. I think Doug Peterson should have been fired before anybody else. Um, ever since that whole Super Bowl run, he just does not – I feel like the team has just not rallied around him and played well with him. Um, bad play calls. They don't. I know they don't know what they're doing on offense, and they've been pretty banged up. But I'll keep it short and sweet. I think he's going to be in a good spot in Indy. Uh, he'll have the right guidance now, and I think he'll be able to get back on track as a as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, the thing about um, Carson Wentz was just like the whole dilemma with the Nick Foles situation the year after. But it was they rushed him back from an ACL injury that really. He should have stayed on the bench for like a couple more weeks before even bringing him back. It was just a lot of moves. And like Howie Roseman, the fact that he still has a job, I'm really concerned about. <laughs> that's, that's been the number one thing that is, has set me off, is that through all of this, you now fired your Super Bowl winning head coach. Those don't grow on trees. You now trade your franchise quarterback that you gave up an arm and a leg for to draft in the number two overall position, and then you paid him a big contract, and then your next move is to draft a guy in the second round who has won a national championship and been at the top of so many boards until he, he dropped in that draft, obviously, but right. was ranked so high. Why? Name another situation in the NFL where you've got a starting quarterback, other than Aaron Rodgers did it this year, yes, but name a... Jordan, while Aaron Rodgers did it, Jordan Love was not as highly touted in the draft prospects as Jalen Hurts was. He, he, he just wasn't. He kind of came out of nowhere and had an incredible year and went in the first round. But other than that, name another situation where you have a franchise quarterback approaching his prime, and so you draft another quarterback, or you, yeah, you draft another quarterback with a high-up pick instead of going for a skill position player to help him out. When has that ever worked? Yeah, exactly. And then I think the big killer was the contract, too. Like, you... 
owed him $35 million. $10 million was owed to him the third day within the new uh, league year. So you're looking at the Philadelphia roster right now. It is loaded with a bunch of big contracts. Maybe that's what they initially needed. Now I get it. The whole Carson Wentz getting traded is a bad blow because, quite frankly, if you were in Philadelphia, you wanted to keep them, but there's so many like pieces where you need improvements on that maybe moving off of him was the best option to load up some like more cap space. Now, granted, you're going to have to take on, what, $33 million of dead cap this year? I was about to say, we're still paying a third of his contract. Yeah, but it opens up the next year. Like, I don't expect Philadelphia to make big moves this upcoming season, but like the next year after that. Because what? You you moved off of Deshaun Jackson. You're going to have to move off from like uh, Malik Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. Those guys are probably gone. So it's it's a rebuilding process in Philly, which is unfortunate because I kind of see the Denver Broncos in just like how Philly was. Everyone after our Super Bowl run kind of just went out because it was just a disaster. I mean, Trevor Simeon was our starting quarterback. But Do you remember maybe this is the best move. At the end of the 2017 Super Bowl, there were talks of, is this the beginning of a dynasty for the Eagles? They're set up. Carson Wentz looks like an MVP candidate. Their receiving core is young and great. They they have people coming in the wings and running back. Their defense is solid. How did yeah. we go from a potential dynasty team to an absolute dumpster fire in less than three seasons? And nobody is pointing fingers at the general manager. At this point, it is clear to say that Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, chose Howie Roseman over any type of for his team and he needs to pay for that <laughs> so angry you dropped your mic there <laughs> yes this the, i've had to bottle all of this up and you guys are just getting the the i don't want to say the punching bag because it's not directly at you but hey, you're we appreciate it dude just the release of all of this <laughs> that's what this show is for and speaking of release did you have any release about what is going on with philadelphia <laughs> yes yeah, so uh I mean, I want to go off Matt's comment about the offensive line. Um, I think it's best to say that, uh, you know, some teams, some people will say that defense wins championships, which is true. But to me, offensive lines win championships. I mean, we saw what Patrick Mahomes could not do in that Super Bowl because he did not have an offensive line. He is super talented. No offensive line. You have no way to produce. So, yeah, that's a huge part of it. You know, you need a solid offensive line to be able to produce as a quarterback and make decisions because if you don't have that support there, you're making decisions in a matter of a second versus maybe four to six seconds, right? So you got to react right away. Uh, Your reaction time is pretty much cut in half. And if you don't train, most teams, probably all of them, don't train to throw the ball in a second or two, depending on the play style, obviously. Normal play is four to six seconds. So offensive line is huge. Um, going back to the actual quarterback situation, there's nothing about Carson Wentz to me that really says I care enough to have this guy on my team. Um, and then I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he'll find a fit in uh, Indianapolis, of course. Um, and another thing that I saw was the whole jersey number thing. Um, it seems like he's they're almost. I don't. This may just be because of media, whatever it is, but. They're saying he wants number 11. Michael Pittman Jr.'s got that. Won't give that number up. He wants it. He's not going to throw a fit about it. But why is that a concern to get the number? You're not – okay, if you're not Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, you should have no right to say, I want that number. 
um, that that he wants his number. I mean, that's really not that big of a deal. His where he should be going there, being a team player, driving his team to a championship. That's what the focus should be on. Not not what kind of no, not what number you want. But yeah. once again, could be a media thing. Who knows? Overall, I mean, we're looking at the Eagles now. Who are we going to have as our quarterback? Jalen Hurts, and he's not a proven quarterback yet. So who knows what's going to happen with Philly? Well, apparently his quarterback factory BS is still a thing because now they're looking at drafting a quarterback at number six. And I heard a report today they're potentially looking at trading up for the number two pick to get a quarterback. Yeah, I've heard that too, but they should have with that receiving core, man. The receiving core is like should be the pick there. I mentioned this, though, and I want to get your thoughts as an Eagles fan. I said, why don't the Eagles communicate over to the Bengals Try to trade Lane Johnson for that fifth pick and get like a solid tackle there and like go young with that roster. I mean, you're loaded with two first round picks in the top 10 and Cincinnati's kind of desperate for offensive line help because they can't even keep Joe Burrow upright. So why not trade an all pro Lane Johnson who has been banged up in the past couple of years over to Cincy who can afford him? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a smart idea. Um, yeah, to play and you got Penny Sewell too. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you got Penny Sewell, who's like one of the generation talent in this draft at offensive line. Yeah, I, yep. I, to play devil's advocate, there's two sides. As a Lane Johnson has been beat up, so are the Bengals going to be willing to trade that number two spot? Sure, yeah, for a banged up guy. And for the Eagles' standpoint, you've had a disastrous offensive line. Lane Johnson has been more of an anchor. Uh, I would say the second most anchor other than Jason Kelsey on that line. And if the line has been absolutely disastrous, you're likely going to have to move on from Jason Peters. So you're going to want to keep at least two vets on that right. line. Um, and it makes the most sense to keep Kelsey and Lane Johnson for one or two more seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just an idea because you also got Austin Dillard on the, uh, was your right tackle? Then you have uh, Brandon Books inside who has been battling two injuries now. He tore his yep. Achilles. So Achilles is not something to mess with either. feel like with the offensive line, once you get hurt, you keep getting hurt. So like that's like a big concern with me. But you never know with the way Philly's roster is constructed. too. Like They don't even have a linebacker. No, they don't. <laughs> they played They're an entire safeties. season without a true number one linebacker, and they never truly replaced Jordan Hicks after the Super Bowl run. We haven't had a true top linebacker. Uh, since 2017. Yeah. And that's been something they haven't even considered changing. And then the division, like Washington has a great defense there. You you can say a QB away. Dallas is just like, they need to get better on defense. And then who knows with the New York giants, as long as you get receivers to, for Daniel Jones to throw to, or get a new quarterback, Philly might be at the bottom looking up right now, which they are. It's not might. They are. I'm saying for a few more seasons, if they don't figure out this whole roster construction thing, and I thought Howie Roseman should have been the first one gone along with Doug, they can go hold hands and walk right out of the link together. That's what I thought they should have done. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Howie Roseman is making Jerry Jones look like a genius, and they don't even have a true starting quarterback right now. That's how bad this has gotten. Yeah. That's tough. Well, are you excited for, like, if they do stick with Jalen Hurts, did you see enough to where you could be a little no. bit more? No. No. <laughs> Not at all. 
guy came in, and according to Ball Focus, Carson Wentz may have had the 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 worst accuracy as far as deep ball passes. But you know who was second to worst? Jalen Hurts. The guy <laughs> cannot throw the ball uh, at all. I mean, he's had a couple of completed passes. Whoop you do. But the guy can't throw the ball at an NFL level. And his run game is is fun to watch right now. But we've seen it with just about every running quarterback outside of Michael Vick. Once yeah. teams get film on him, his run game goes away. And Jalen Hurts is nowhere near a Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick. So all of a sudden, his run game is going to go away. He's not going to be able to throw the ball like Carson Wentz can. He has shown nothing to show that he can be a franchise quarterback. Right. Brandon, are you high on Jalen Hurts or no? I'm pretty high on that right now. I think we need to get him on the NFL Weekly Drive. Uh, I love, no, I love Agreed. Honest I really do. I love Honest Fan. I'm honest about the Giants, and he's honest about the Eagles. When they're doing great, we're honest. When they're doing terrible, we're honest about it. And obviously, I mean, the Giants have a great defense, but nothing else is working for them. And the Eagles, they, they have a lot to work on. But, I mean, I think it was a bad move to trade Carson Wentz and put Jalen Hurts in that in that starting quarterback spot. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I don't follow yeah. him as closely yeah. as he does, but I don't know. I, There's still $40 million underneath the cap. So, like, they have no they, cap room. They really screwed themselves. I, I think that's what happened. They really screwed themselves. Getting rid of a good quarterback and leaving everybody else – <laughs> in in their positions, and there's yeah. players on that Eagles team too that have backed up that Carson Wentz is not the so-called cancer in the locker room, which is a great thing to hear. I doubt he is, but at the no end way. of the day, it's a business. You know, and Wes, we talk about this all the time. Brandon, you know this. Matt, I'm sure you know this too. Is that you're looking for the guy that you could probably pay the least amount of money that has the best chance of winning you a Super Bowl. That, that's probably most likely the way I see it, at least, of what these organizations, how they draft players, how they trade players. Um, you know, unless you're trying to get Tom Brady, which is near impossible. I mean, Tampa got lucky, obviously, because I guess he wanted out of New England. But, you know, it, it's just the way it is. It's a business. Players come and go all the time. doesn't matter who you are, especially in the NFL, because it's, it's – Simply said, it's a business about money. Well, Jailer, uh, Howie Roseman clearly isn't a very good businessman at all. No, man. I, oh, this would have been the perfect season for the Philadelphia Eagles fans to be in the stands. Oh, man. Just imagine the booze if they showed Howie on the screen or anyone in particular. Just, I was missing that all year. Like, I literally could hear the booze in my head from Philly. But I want to talk now, shift a little bit of gears over to the Indianapolis side of things because everyone's already putting them as a Super Bowl contender. And I'm like, slow down here a little bit. The AFC is still loaded. Nothing in the AFC has changed besides Carson Wentz going to Indy. I really don't think that they're automatically like going to go to AFC Championship and contend with like Patrick Mahomes. You still got the Bills to deal with. You still got to win your own division, which Tennessee has won back-to-back AFC North titles, so or AFC South titles. So, like, look, it's still like a wild card to like a divisional round team. They they could use a little bit more help on the receiving end, maybe a little bit more on the defense. But I'm not automatically shooing them in as like a legit Super Bowl contender. I still got to see if Carson Wentz can like bring back his chemistry with Frank Reich. I think the chemistry with Frank Reich is is 
going to click right away. I mean, you could even see it in, in some of the videos of just those two interacting at practice and on the field when they were both on the Eagles. They just had a special connection that coach and quarterback rarely have in the NFL. Um, and Frank Reich's offense was absolutely perfect. I mean, Carson Wentz was unbelievable in 2017. I mean, I, I, people need to go back and re-watch Wentz because his instincts at, in the pocket to escape, he just was unbelievable in his decision-making, when to run, um, and, uh, when, to, um, when, when to tug it and run, when to throw. I, I think that's, that's not going to be an issue at all. I think the Colts are a favorite to win the AFC South. Ooh. Maybe a, a Super Bowl yeah. contender, I think it's a bit much already, but I think they're going to be a favorite. I think that roster is now more talented, um, especially if Carson can return to three-quarters of what he was, half of what he was in 2017. Well, the thing is, Frank Reich is now the head coach. He's not the OCQB coach he was in Philadelphia. So right. he's going to have more say in the team. Is he going to spend, is he going to devote all his time to Carson? We don't know yet. That's the one thing I'm kind of want to watch as the season progresses. I'm not expecting them to go right out of the gates in September or whatever. Which they, even, even in 2017, Doug Peterson was calling the plays. Yeah. Which I'm Frank saying, Reich's plays. they just need to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor and let him do his thing. Like really just run the ball, Frank. If you haven't noticed, I had Jonathan Taylor on fantasy, which kind of like, put me up and down this whole freaking year. But anyway, uh, Brandon, what do you see uh, Indy going from here with Carson now? I think Indy's in a better spot with Carson Wentz. Uh, granted, Phillip Rivers was a good quarterback, um, and he had a good run through the season. But I think the younger quarterback, um, the coach quarterback chemistry that's already been built um, from from being on a previous – being on a team – Prior together, uh, I think it's really going to help them. They have a talented offense. Uh, their defense is pretty solid. Um, so I mean, they finished eleven and five this year, right behind the Titans. I could see them even. I could see them edging out the Titans this year. Uh, we don't know what's going on in Tennessee, and obviously Jacksonville, and who else is in that division? Yeah, uh, dumpster fire. The organization, the Houston Texans. <laughs> the right. dumpster fire. The yeah, the, the the Jaguars and the the Texans are, are really big question marks this season. <laughs> but honestly, uh, the most team I'm the the team I'm really interested to see uh, play this season, this upcoming season, is going to be the Jaguars. I mean, they got Urban Meyer as the head coach, and they're obviously going after Trevor Lawrence for the number one pick. And they have plenty of talent on the offense as far as receiving core. So I agree with that. I agree with that because the the way you got to look at it is the same way you got to look at Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. You have a special talent playing quarterback for a team that is a so-so. And now you have a special talent head coach that is going to a team that's a so-so team. So, Brennan, I mean, you, you could have not said it better. The Jaguars should be a team that you're going to look for because – We've seen what Urban Meyer did at Ohio State, turn that organization around after Jim Tressel was pretty much forced to leave with Terrell Pryor and all the whole tattoos for money and all that type of stuff. I mean, you're you're going to you're going into an organization, a team with 120 plus people in it, and you got to change the culture like that. A snap of the finger. If he can do that at Ohio State, he should probably be okay you know, taking over Jacksonville. But once again, 
college is much different than the NFL. Yeah, really serious is. question: Is Urban is Urban Meyer coached in the? Yeah, he was an assistant in the NFL, right? I don't know. Was no, he all no, college? Never. All college. Okay. All college. It's Toledo, um, Bowling Green, or whatever it is. Green, yes. Bowling, Bowling Green. Yep. Uh, Utah, Utah with Alex Smith. Ohio. That's State, right. Florida. That's right. He's bounced around to a lot of college teams, but uh, yeah, never, never NFL. Okay. I mean, if Indy or um, I'm sorry, if Tennessee gets a pass rush, I still pick them to be the favorite in the AFC South. They can't rush the passer at all this past year, even with adding Jadavion Clowney. And I still like Tennessee better than Indianapolis. Indianapolis with that play calling this year, and I was watching quite a bit of Indy games because they were the most interesting team in the one o'clock hours. They was just up and down with that offense, even with Phil Rivers like throwing the ball. And I think Phil Rivers has a better game mentally than Carson Wentz does. It's just like the mental side of things. And the talent is all on Carson Wentz, but you got to oh. merge with like the talent and the mindset and be a quick learner going into a new situation. Well, the thing with Philip Rivers is that he was a veteran. Um, he's... He was like that in Los Angeles. He was like that in L.A. Well, San Diego, really. Um, he was a veteran presence. He was never. He was never. He never seemed phased or rattled. I mean, he was a trash right. talker, but he just never really seemed phased. I mean, he loved to get hit. He loved being under pressure. Um, Carson Wentz is young. He still has a lot to learn. He's shown. He's shown what he could do in Philadelphia. Uh, granted, obviously, they rushed him back from an injury, which is why I think he kind of has been on a downfall for the past two years. Did he break um, I, his back? I don't know the about one year? that. I don't know. It, it, I think it was like a fractured vertebrae or, or something. Yeah. It wasn't a complete broken, but it was it was something with his with his spine that was pretty messed up. Right. If Wentz is comfortable, he'll be a good quarterback. He's he's not a running quarterback. He's obviously a pocket passer, but he needs the protection. And I think well, he's, he's mobile. He's, he's mobile, mobile, but he doesn't yeah. have to be. I mean, what he was like? Uh, he rushed a bit, though. He would he would scramble out of the pocket, and then he would just do a bunch of QB runs, right, Matt? I mean, you're the Eagles fan, right? He's he's not a Lamar Jackson, granted, but he's definitely more of a mobile than just a pure pocket passer. I mean, even going back to his days at North Dakota State, right? Okay, yeah, is he falls under that realm of category? Like he yeah, can take. He's off. not like a Big Ben or or a, or a Tom Brady where he's just in the pocket. He's, I mean, he's. He's in between a Lamar Jackson and a Tom Brady. He can definitely run, and you have to be weary of his legs, but he's not going to flash you with speed. That's how he tore his ACL. I was, got the game. I was just a free kid from two different angles. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not so sold on Indy yet, but um, I, you got to still go through KC, and I think Buffalo will get better on defense. And like Buffalo is returning everybody. So they're going to be just as good on offense. And Buffalo's in the mix to get JJ. JJ who? Oh, JJ Watt. Oh, yeah. That would be insane, man. I thought you were thinking of your uh, favorite player, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> another one of Howie's many draft busts. <laughs> I think JJ Watt, though, should go to a team that doesn't have a leadership position yet because, or something going good because. The Bills are doing something right, clearly. And I think Jay, with 
the way J.J. Watt is, yes, he's very outspoken. He needs to go to a team that doesn't have that already. Um, so who knows where he's going to land? He's going to land somewhere, but until then, we don't know. I say Green Bay. He's chasing a ring. He needs to go to a team where there's already a dominant defensive lineman. He's at the point in his, in his career now, and I, I, since I've moved to Texas and I've covered the Cowboys and the Texans a little bit more, I've noticed it more. Now that he's entering his 11th season, he kind of fell off after Jadavian Clowney left the Texans because you couldn't double-team one of them. If it's if J.J. Watt is going against one-on-one, he's going to be dominant. But right. he doesn't really have the strength anymore to completely bull rush through a double team. So if you've got a pretty solid offensive line that can double team him, you can get rid of J.J. Watt. But if you have somebody else on the line that forces you to not double team as often, that's when J.J. Watt is going to be terrifying to play against. Right. I was thinking the long lines of Green Bay where they already got Preston Smith and uh, the Smith twins or brothers or whatever they are on the edges. So that way JJ Watt can just do one-on-one things in the inside, but green yeah. Bay still is under the cap. I mean, he's totally going to go to a contender. The bills kind of make sense, but they don't have off uh, like a, a pure guy. What you're talking about on the edge either. I mean, Ed Oliver has been okay, but he hasn't been dominant. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of anyone else on that bills defensive line, but I would say either the bills or the Packers would be the spot to go. Please don't give him the KC man. I can't, I can't have another freaking KC stack team again. I still think you still got to look at the, uh, the Steelers, but they have no room. Like that's, that's a team that's really screwed because they're hinged on what big Ben does. You'd have both True. brothers on that team as well. Did they cut Derek Watt? I thought they did. Uh, no, what, what's his what's his other brother's name? TJ, you got TJ, and then TJ you got Watt. Derek Watt. Yeah, TJ Watt. Oh, Derek I don't know Watt is Derek the forgotten Watt. Yeah, TJ Watt is on that defense. You know why? Because he's a fullback. That's why he's forgotten, which yep. is unfair. It's <laughs> not right. <laughs> Only Bloomsburg would be the last team that still has fullbacks. <laughs> I mean, the last great and a great NFL fullback came out of a PSAC school. Uh, Slippery Rock, uh, John Kuhn. Yeah, I think it was Shippensburg. Oh, it was a ship? Uh, who cares about Shippensburg? Yeah, still a piece of, yeah. <laughs> I agree, but yeah. Well, you also got Mike Allsnot. He yeah. was like the last dominant fullback. For real. All right, well, what, what do you say Indy's record, though? I'll, I'll ask you, Indy's record and then Philadelphia's record. Give me both. For this upcoming year, as this team stand right now, Matt. Eagles record, I'll say generously three and thirteen. <laughs> um, I like it. I'll say Indy's record. I'll go eleven and five. Okay. I'm going six and ten Eagles, nine and seven Colts. Grant, what do you think? Um, so I'll say I'll say Indianapolis 10, 10 wins. Uh, Philly, man, I'll give them. That could be tough because you Let's really see. don't know what Jalen Hurts is going to wind up doing. We don't even I'll know if Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback. Or right. yeah, if he starts. It could be Zach Wilson. I'll give Philly. You know what? I'll give him another four, four win season. 
Are you gonna give him the tie? Four, five, six. No, I don't. I don't see a tie. Ties are so <laughs> stupid. The NFL needs to get rid of that. That's oh, such, that's such garbage to me. Yeah. Ties are so yeah. stupid, but no. NFL ties. I mean, man, come on. F- figure something out. Do a quarterback challenge. Anything. Tie, ties only belong in soccer, where you have a point system and it can actually mean something. No, no ties in football. Come on. No. <laughs> Well, Indy was eleven and five this year, and they were the seventh seed. So that tells you how like loaded the AFC is. So I think they will be like ten and six, eleven and five, maybe. Like, but I don't see them going past the divisional round. I think they're one of those teams that loses in that round. Um, Philadelphia, I say like five and eleven. There's just so much going on right now with like a revolving parts. You're you're too tied and attached to players. That's part of Howie's problem was he's too emotionally tied to these players. Like I heard a rumor. Does he have a Carson Wentz fathead in his office? Probably not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you probably have to he remove did. it. It's Jalen Hurts fathead now from Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> the only fathead in that office is Howie Roseman. <laughs> All right, well, you want to talk about your Sixers? Because that's Let's a better story. Let's do it. Some happy Philadelphia sports. Love <laughs> it. The uh, NBA is going crazy. Um, Anthony Davis went out with an ankle injury. He's expected to be out for about four weeks. Um, the Lakers ever since then have been one and four. They just lost to the Wizards last night, who has been a disappointing team. as of Big late. oof. Yeah, big oof. Um, <laughs> right now, the top of the Eastern Conference is the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid put up 50 career high for him on Friday night. Um, they're tw- 20 and 11 right now, still dominant at home, 13 and 2. But right behind them is the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets have been pretty good without KD in the lineup. It's been the Kyrie and James Harden show. They've been facilitating the ball around, putting up good amount of open shots and getting other people open. Defense is still a little suspect, but and then you also got the Utah Jazz who have just been storming as of late in the last like 20 games. They've only lost two of them along with the Clippers. So how are you seeing the shaping of the NBA right now? It seems like the, who the top contenders are has kind of solidified themselves. I mean, you wouldn't throw Milwaukee in the mix. I take Boston out right now because they had a bad loss against the Pelicans. They blew like a 23 point lead on Sunday. So I'll ask Brandon first since we've kind of been talking about it. Between the 76ers and the Nets, it's kind of between them two in the East. Who are you going to lean towards? And I know you're a 76ers fan along with Matt, so I would like to hear your opinion. Come on now. You know I'm biased. (laughs) Sixers, baby. Yeah, it's been a long time coming for Philly. Uh, Last year they came so close. I don't care who the Nets have. I don't care if they have an an all an Eastern Conference All Star team. I, like, I feel like if you put too many stars on one team, it's not going to work. And that's why the Nets are having success without KD. If you throw KD back into that mix, I don't think the Nets are going to be as good. That's just my personal opinion. Um, I think Philly is just such a well balanced team. They have what they've needed for so long, which is perimeter shooters. And they have two dominant guys that just dominate the paint all game, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, Granted, Embiid could shoot the three, but now that they have shooters on the outside, Danny Green and Seth Curry, who was a huge, huge uh, signing for them, 
And they have guys that could come off the bench. I, I think Philly is going to finish first in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I think they're going to put up a fight. And I, it's, uh, I could see them making it to the finals this year. Embiid is having an MVP season. And Embiid, or not Embiid, um, Simmons, I'm always hard on him, but he's he's also stepped up and played really well so far. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. You're going to jump on that train too? Yeah, I, I mean, you're exact. The Sixers are so unbelievably balanced. Um, and there's two guys that – really three guys that four uh, that were not mentioned that have been absolutely unlocked. Tobias Harris, Doc Rivers has unlocked the Clippers, Tobias Harris, and the Tobias Harris Sixers fans were hoping for when he got traded. Uh, The fact that he is not an all-star this year just shows how stupid the NBA all-star selection is because it's just a popularity contest. As far as stats goes, Tobias Harris deserves to be an all-star. Yeah. Another guy that was unknown who has absolutely revitalized his career going back starting last season is Dwight Howard. Oh, my God. What a pickup he has been on a near veteran's minimum, if it's not a veteran's minimum. A perfect backup for Joel Embiid. He's going to play 10 or 12 minutes and just about get a triple-double for you. It'll be the minimum triple-double, but he'll put up nine points, get 11 rebounds for you, exactly what you need, and eat up minutes. Exactly what you need as a backup for Joel Embiid. He was good as a backup for Anthony Davis last year. Yeah, so going back to last year, he has completely revitalized his career. Off the bench, Shake Milton has been unbelievable. Um, I don't know what he has been drinking. I don't know what he's been eating. I don't know what he's been coached. But Shake Milton has just been unbelievable coming off the bench. And Tyrese Maxey is everything and then some the Sixers were hoping to get in that draft. Uh, the fact that the Sixers have bench depth and their starting five is so well-rounded makes them a terrifying threat in the Eastern Conference. When you look at the Nets, this is where the NBA's difference between the regular season and the playoffs really get in. I think it is possible that the Nets overtake the Sixers for the one seed. But do I think the Nets are going to be legitimate contenders in the Eastern Conference come playoffs? No. You're going to see that trio completely implode on themselves, and it is going to be so satisfying to watch those three argue. Because really, there's only one player that has been mature enough to take a step back and realize that he doesn't have to be the number one guy, and that's Kevin Durant. And I don't think I've ever in my life expected to sit here and say Kevin Durant is the most mature of the three stars of that group. Because James (laughs) Harden and Kyrie Irving have not been able to take a step back and say, I'm okay with not being the number one guy. Kyrie Irving left his team. You just saw James Harden just being an absolute whatever the heck that was in Houston. I think he just wanted to get out of Houston. And outside of those three, the Nets don't have anybody. They don't have a solid big. They don't have a great bench. And that's when the depth of the Sixers and even the Bucks and heck, even potentially the Celtics are, are going to give the Nets issues. The Nets have a great front three, but outside of that, they don't have the pieces to be a legitimate playoff contender. Well, the thing about the going far in the playoffs is you got to play good defense. And right now the Nets haven't proved that they play good defense. Philly. Yeah, they play good defense. It's, they can get like skeptic when it comes to like a, letting a high score go off a little bit. You see that in games here and there, but they do a pretty good job. The question mark to me is like, you know, Milwaukee, like, are they going to turn it on? It just seems like it's the no. same Milwaukee team every single year. 
I, I just don't know. I kind of like the Nets. Nets are still going to score to me. I think they're still going to be like 90 to 100 points in the playoffs, which is probably what you're going to need, probably 110 to 120. I, I just watch a couple of their games, and I just see the way those three um, all-stars have been kind of communicating, trying to figure it out, who's going to dominate the ball or whatever on offense, to where they look like they're having fun enjoying them. But you're right. James Harden. Defense is in. You're going to need more than 99 to 100 points yeah, to a playoff game. Exactly. That's my concern. But like, also, you see him with like James Harden. He's kind of taking like a different role. He doesn't have to be that all-time scorer a little bit. So I can see like them two definitely meeting up in the Eastern Conference Finals. If Philly's going to be the home team, I kind of like Philly because like, dude, you go into Philadelphia, it's an automatic Philadelphia win. They they just win in that Wells Fargo Center for some reason. Especially if uh, the city of Philadelphia will allow even a minimum amount of fans come time for the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, Joel Embiid's energy with his MVP-like season combined with the Philadelphia fans behind him, even a little bit. I mean, the, the Sixers-Lakers game that happened a couple of nights or a couple of weeks ago, uh, LeBron James missed back-to-back free throws. Can you imagine how loud that Wells Fargo Center would have been watching this team and then watching LeBron James give the fans frosties? <laughs> I can hear I can hear the noise from my house here. It would have been unbelievable. Free Frosties. That's the best thing in the NBA. The Philadelphia Free Frosties thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> Only reason we go to basketball games. Yeah. yeah. Free Frosties. But also, <laughs> like I'm I'm just like looking at it from this way. LeBron James, if he doesn't get AD back, he's the Lakers are in trouble. Definitely. But the way Utah is playing and then the Clippers, like they look like they're no scrubs either. Like they're going to be coming back hard. I mean, if you're going to have playoff P quote unquote, like if he puts up that performance in the playoffs, like he did, he's not going anywhere, but Utah has been balling. The Suns have been like a team that you got to watch out for with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. If Anthony Davis misses this playoff run, it might be, like the old LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers kind of cycle where he has to play the whole entire game. LeBron can give you the minutes and he can give you the points. He can give you the triple doubles, but that man cannot be the only one doing all the work on the team. Um, I don't even know. I mean, the Lakers seem to add so many good pieces, but they just – it's always the LeBron show at the end of the day. I mean, now that Anthony Davis is, is out, I mean, LeBron was, wasn't playing that many minutes, and now he's playing 40-plus minutes a game. So, I don't know, man. And he missed I a mean, free Anthony throw was... last night to win the game against the Washington Wizards. Like, he just front-rimmed it. Same old LeBron. And then, like, for some reason on the last possession, he pulls up a long three. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, at least give Kuzma a chance to score. Yeah, but who would you rather have shoot that ball, Kuzma or LeBron? Well, if you ask Max Kellerman, he'll want Andre Iguodala to shoot that last shot. You know, Max <laughs> Kellerman is from outer space, though. I don't even know why he's got a soft show. Some of his, right. some of the shit he comes out with is just. <laughs> but are you comfortable with LeBron pulling up for a, for a three to win the game? Instead of Kuzma, yeah. Eh, yeah, you're right. I guess. But like, if Kuzma's wide open and LeBron pulls up. Then it's like, I'd rather have Kuzma in that situation. But I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a Lakers out of the West if AD comes back and then maybe Philadelphia, not Brooklyn. I'm, I'm kind of torn because I still want to see Brooklyn play a little bit better defense before I'm committed to them. 
Anthony, I know you're not a big basketball guy, but you can still pull up threes, right? Make them. Dude, I was the all-star player in high school. Cut from the elementary school team, but <laughs> all-star in high school. Right, Brian? Yeah. Hey, even Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team. See? It's truth right there. You, yeah, you can nah, play for the Knicks. I mean, Man, in serious right. talk, I don't, I don't know much about basketball, um, but – I mean, like Brandon just said, Le- LeBron just cannot do everything every single game, man. I mean, you need a support system. You need other guys to show up to play ball. You can't just have one guy constantly keep doing it. And just because he was able to do it prior, he's only going to get older. So the man's going to need some type of support um, besides just him doing all the work. Right. Hey, watch out for the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. The New York Knicks are back. Okay. Julius Randle is an all-star. You want to talk about all-star snubs? He should be an all-star. I'm kidding. Knicks oh, yeah. first round, first round knockout. Good. I don't think they consider anybody from the Knicks an all-star anymore. <laughs> it's just a team that you just see and you're like, eh, who cares? Are the Knicks even still a basketball team anymore? <laughs> hey, we're better than the Chicago Bulls. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. All right, let's go to the ice where um, it's a bit melting there in Lake Tahoe. The first game, we had one period and then gorgeous scenes and everything. And then the sun, they, uh, Gary Bettman did not know that the sun existed. So uh, they had to delay eight hours. They finally wrapped up that game. Colorado ended up winning that. And then the Flyers came out with uh, half of their team having the suds. And then pretty much David Postmack showed up with a Randy Monster Man Savage glasses on and it was over. It was, uh, what, 7-3? But, hey, cool experience for the Flyers to be in. I mean, it was a cool thing to see, but come on, dude. You got to factor in that there's a sun out there, and it's going to be a bit little hot. What do you think about the um, Lake Tahoe <laughs> stuff, Matt? I thought it was really, really cool. I mean, yeah, the, the preparation wasn't great, um, but I thought the concept of it, I, I mean, continuing to have uh, an outdoor game, because the outdoor games are so popular. Uh, yeah. I think continuing Players that was great. It. I think to take it back to where, uh, you know, a, a yeah, I sorry, I just like completely blanked. My God, um, it was it was beautiful scenery. Like, yeah, preparation wasn't great, but I think outside of that, um, just what the event was was just phenomenal. To take it back to old school hockey. I mean, it was it was beautiful. Despite watching the Flyers get smacked by the Bruins, it was it was beautiful to watch. I mean, you had to know they were going to get smacked when David Poshnot rocked those glasses and the pregame warm-ups. <laughs> I knew they were going to get rocked Please. after our, like, top six players couldn't play. Yeah. It was the Kevin Hayes show. <sighs> this game kind of pissed me off because it was 2-2 at the end of the first. And, I mean, the Bruins just – you can't sleep on the Bruins at all. Um, Flyers are a great team. Personally, I think they're better than the Bruins. The only problem is you can't give up three goals in the matter of a minute and a half. I mean, come on. This was literally a tie game. They gave up three goals, which made it uh, two to five. And then the Flyers were able to score with a JVR goal in the third. And then Pasternak scored again. And then somebody else scored. And it wound up being seven to three. I mean, like, you just cannot give up three goals like that. And, you know, that really just annoyed me. But overall, Lake Tahoe uh, 
outdoor game I think was awesome. The scenery was great. I know on the game on, uh, what was it, Saturday there with the avalanche and the Knights, the ice was horrible. Players were falling down, refs were falling. But I think the scene of it was great. The players love to play these outdoor games. Um, I think it's awesome. I think they should continue with games like this every year. I think they should. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it'd be cool to see at least every single team playing an outdoor game, almost make it like a known thing. Even if it's in like a near near city, find a way to get an outdoor game going. I think it would do great things for the NHL and the fans love it and the players love it. It's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, but just put it up north in Canada. Like, yeah, outdoor cold. game in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't do – yeah, obviously you can't do that. But, uh, I mean – Tampa Bay Lightning outdoor game. Like, if you – yeah, roller hockey. If you do, uh, well, you know, those teams can play like a Canadian team, like any team that's hot. I'm sure it's it's, it's going to be a lot of work to get it to work. But uh, I don't know. Maybe if you even do just the Canadian teams then, you know, I, I think it's just a cool thing. People seem to like it. Well, last week you could have put it in Texas and it could have worked off like really smooth. <laughs> For real. Well, no, there was no electricity anywhere. So Yeah, you would have not been able to see anything. Especially the generators get the night. generators fired up. It wasn't like... even generators in most places. I don't think you realize how dark this place was last week, man. All right, but like a day game during noon. <laughs> there you could do, yeah. Dallas had a they had an outdoor game last year. Last year, right? And then there was also a stadium series in L.A. where like Kiss was like the halftime show or something like <laughs> that. And yeah. like Dodger Stadium, they had an ice rink. I was really shocked how they couldn't figure out what the like the ice situations were. It wasn't like, you know, this wasn't this was the first sunny game that the NHL had to deal with. I mean, some of the winter classics, the sun was out, but I, I would expect them to go to either Minnesota to do another late game. I kind of like it without the fans, or maybe just keep it to like a five thousand fan minimum. I mean, that's that was the skeptic was the view in the background. Like, uh, they'll probably do Lake Tahoe again, but who knows? And then you also said about like three straight goals. I mean, if you look at the NHL overall this year, there's just been high scoring across the league. I think this is the most amount of goals allowed since the lockout year when everyone was returning from that. So it was just a lot of chemistry issues, I guess, with like goalies coming back way too soon. You're playing like eight to 10 divisional games now. I mean, Matt, do you like the new format they're doing this year with like the Canadians playing each other, the eat the Metro kind of playing all each other this season, the Central, the West? Uh, I think from a rivalry standpoint, it's it's fun, but from like an NHL is logistics, not so much. Um, I mean that what is now like most of the Metro. I mean that is without a doubt the division of death. Um, yeah. And I think it, people were talking about the Canadian division being tough. When you've got the Flyers, the Capitals, the Bruins, and the Penguins all playing, the Devils all playing against each other, I mean, those are all pretty much your biggest, as far as aggression, your biggest rivalries in hockey. You've got the Toronto and um, Islanders, and Ottawa, or Toronto and Montreal, excuse me. You've got some big ones out in the West. But as far as a majority of your big ones, you've all got them in the same division. That that division is your group of death right there. And that makes it hard for any of those teams. But on the flip side, whoever comes out of the playoffs out of, out of that division is going to be the most battle-tested because you played your most hated rivals and your most physical rivals all season long. You've pretty much been playing physical playoff hockey all season. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. The West top West is very top heavy with like those Stanley Cup contending teams with St. Louis, uh, Colorado, and Vegas. Like that, that's going to be a gauntlet by itself. But you're right. I mean, you you even mentioned about the Islanders. Like the Islanders are a pretty solid team. Yeah, yeah, they're solid. But to make it to a cup, I don't know if they have what it takes. I mean, they almost made it, but that was just to me that was just a very lucky run. Boston kind of just reminds me of the old school Patriots. It's just they just seem like a contender every single year. I don't understand. It's, something just works there. Um, I mean, friggin' Florida is leading in the central right now, which is unbelievable. They have 12 wins and three losses. Dude, Florida is four balling like, on what? the ice. Yeah, Florida Dallas is, is doing demon. Dallas, like you said, has only played 13 games and they're not doing well. Nashville's not doing well. Uh, I mean, the Savers are all the way in last place here in East. The Flyers took a little bit of a low blow as well. It's weird. I mean, hockey is kind of strange. Every year it's pretty much like this, though, which is cool because you never know who's who's going to be the top team. Right now, Toronto is a top team. Like, Yeah, 30 points, man, is incredible. But this, kind of, this team has a little bit of a curse. They say that every year they're going to make it to the Cup previous years, and I don't. I just don't see it. I don't know. I just, me personally, I don't see it. What do you guys think about this comparison? The Islanders being the uh, NHL's Miami Heat, where they were on a whole nother level in the bubble, and now that they're not in the bubble, they're kind of exposed a little bit. Yeah. Maybe I not to as it. an extreme, because I don't think the Islanders are quite as uh, uh, in the standings. I don't think they're quite in the same placement. But I think as far as level of play, I think the bubble helped the Islanders the way it helped the Heat. Well, the year before the bubble, they swept the Penguins in the first round and then got swept by Carolina. Yeah. So, like, they're a playoff team. I, I guess that's a good comparison, right? They're kind of lacking that big-time star. I mean, the like, Heat will be a playoff Butler. team this year probably, but they're definitely not in the same – I mean, they're nowhere near a finals level yeah. like they were last season. Dude, that team has dropped off so fast. Like, the Miami Heat have just been having a lot of problems lately. But yeah, I, I kind of like that comparison. I compare the Leafs to the Eagles. <laughs> I really do. Like that team just like couldn't get over the hump. Like they can't they can't come out of the East no matter what. It's been what they've been saying fifty something years, and yep. this team might be the best. I mean, they brought in physical guys like Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. I mean, Joe Thornton shaved his beard and trimmed it, but like he's still a tough son of a gun. <laughs> Patrick Marlowe, I think is not is Patrick Marlowe. No, he's back with San Jose now. But like, dude, they've been just rolling with um, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews as the forwards. Just Austin Matthews is on pace to have like a fifty goal season and fifty game season. It's unbelievable. Yeah, there's a couple of players in the league right now that are complete all stars between Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, McKinnon. uh, Yeah, Nathan McKinnon, my top three. And uh, the other guy from the Oilers, uh, Al Leon Drossidle. Drossidle, yeah, him too. And uh, I mean, you can't forget Johnny Gurdjieff and all those other guys. But <sighs> these players, man, are getting so quick, so fast, so talented. At some point, it's almost impossible to kind of coach this type of talent. They just seem just to have it. And a league is transferring from, you know, that tough guy type of mentality to more of a speedy type game um you know and it's crazy man you you never know what's gonna happen with the league anymore uh because 
It's just the NHL is a very level playing field. Right. Pittsburgh stinks in goaltender. Jari just lets in like four or five goals a game. That's great. I was about to say all rats. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, I'm saying that too, but right now it's 1-1 with the Caps wearing the retros. Dude, I'm I'm telling you, the Flyers retros are the same as their home jerseys. It's just the black and white are reversed. I don't have time for this. <laughs> That's what it is. No comment. Oh, come on. Whatever. All right. Dude, it's completely different. They're awesome. It's completely different because it's a different color. But, like, the top is literally what the fly – whatever. We can, can talk about can it. Can you more. argue with me about fishing poles instead? Baycaster, <laughs> spinning reel, conventional. What, what do you want to talk about? Which one? I want to talk about rod, some... jigging rod. What, what kind? <laughs> we'll, we'll do the jigging rod later. But um, I forgot to mention about uh, Tiger Woods being hospitalized in a single car crash with uh, suffering multiple leg injuries. Hopefully he's okay. He's not in a life-threatening situation, but he had to be pulled from the vehicle by the jaws of life. And uh, he's been having surgery all day right now. Um, another big-time story is Artemi Panarin for the Rangers. He had to take a leave of absence due to like a domestic violence allegation that surfaced in Russia. I yeah, mean that that's, that's just absurd, and he I, made. I, yeah, I can't believe I saw that because NHL was kind of quiet with all that stuff. And uh, when I saw that, I was like, "What, really?" Yeah, I think it's going to be fine though. But uh, another yeah, news: baseball's back. Uh, Phillies lost another starting pitcher, right? Broken wrist. <laughs> Wasn't the guy that got hurt um, the first day of spring training for the Phillies? When it was pitchers and oh, catchers? Phillies. Broken wrist. I thought I saw that somewhere. JT ah. Real Muto broke his thumb, but he'll be back for opening day. Oh, that's likely. probably that's probably what I saw. I But say you scared me, Wes. I was like, what pitcher got hurt? I was like scrolling <laughs> through my phone. I was like, oh no. <laughs> no, but uh Fernando Tatis Jr. inked the deal with the Padres. That was a massive deal. He's at the age of twenty two and he's gonna be making three hundred and forty million dollars throughout the rest of his career. It's uh it's not enough. I mean, that guy's been awesome. But the, for the Padres to push out that kind of money, I kind of like to see a little guy do something in baseball. But a 14-year, $340 million contract, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you saw a bunch of Fernando Tatis, but you think this this is on the same level as the Harper deal, right? Um, He's younger, though. I'm not going to say it's not deserving – um, but I think it's early to give him that. Right. He was incredible last year. He was. Uh, and and like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it. I think it's a little early to give him that, that mega contract. But if it works out, I mean, that's one of those things that um, I forget who said it, but there was someone talking about how this could be a statue contract where this is a contract to keep him in San Diego and get him a statue outside of that that stadium. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. And he's he's playing at that level. He's entering his prime. Yeah. So it could be a good deal. And you're not a big sucker for these big-time contracts, but you're looking at a guy like Fernando Tatis, who's been stellar, getting this kind of big money at the age of 22. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Just what you said, not a big fan of the contracts. Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, come on, man. 
like, what have you done or what are you going to do that deserves $340 million? It's, there is no measuring of that. At some point, it's just pouring out money. Which you kind of have to do as you're, if you're the Padres compete with the Dodgers that are literally 30 minutes up the road. Mm-hmm. And they already got Manny Machado where they paid a crap ton of money too already. Hey guys, I hate to do this, but uh, duty calls. I got to head over to a volleyball game to get some shots of that. Oh, there you go. College volleyball. They're the third ranked team in the country, man. They are fun to watch. Dude, hey, quick question. So much fun. Quick question. Is uh, San Angelo State going to be a good baseball team this year? Uh, <laughs> they just beat a team. I haven't seen a final score, but they put up 17 runs in the fourth inning, and it was 20, 29 to 4, 29 to 5 at the bottom of the sixth. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that right there in bed? They're, they're the number one team in the country in Division Two, and uh, it's not even close. Um, this lineup is just absolutely filthy, man. Is Mike Trout batting one through nine over there? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Pr- pretty much. Um, <laughs> the issue with this lineup Bryce is Harper there? every single guy is one of those guys that when they step to the plate, you, you pretty much have to intentionally walk them, but you can't do that. Maybe Tim Tebow will come back and play college baseball over there since he's retired from the big leagues now. I don't think they need <laughs> Tim Tebow. I don't think Tim Tebow would make the team. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that like this team is unbelievable, man. I can't wait to see some more highlights from you. That's Matt Locke from KLST TV. Thanks for joining the show, man. Appreciate it with all that Eagles talk and hatred. Absolutely. Anybody that wants to uh, chime in, feel free to put my Twitter handle. I'd love to shut everybody down. <laughs> that is uh, at Matt Lock TV. That is at Matt Lock TV. He is very uh, entertaining over there. So uh, thanks for joining the show, Matt. Uh, Appreciate I'll it, guys. See your, Good talking to you again. I'll see your pitchfork outside of the link uh, by January for a Howie, Howie Roseman's head. Maybe even earlier than that. Oh, I, I'm heading up there right now. I say <laughs> volleyball match, but no, I'm actually – no, just kidding. He, he's actually planning for Armageddon over there. All right, that <laughs> lock, everybody. All right, see you guys. <laughs> All right, anything else, fellas? Not really. I mean, Tiger Woods thing was pretty crazy. Uh I really think that this guy was under the influence of something. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me how he would just randomly crash his car. I feel bad for the guy if that's the case. He's been through a lot. And, you know, I mean, just the situation when he has DUI, you know, a couple of years ago and he got in trouble. It just seems like he was able to get better and he kind of relapsed. But once again, I don't know exactly if that was the case, if he was under the influence. But, I mean... Just knowing his history and what did happen prior, it kind of gives you a sense of, you know, possibly this could have repeated itself again, and that's why he crashed his car. They had to literally extricate him through the windshield because the car was so damaged. That's rare that you'll literally do that. You'll literally have some type of way of getting that out through the door, um, even using the jaws of life. But at the same time, that car was so beat up, he because they said he spawned that they had a remover from the windshield and he had a broken ankle or whatever it was so uh obviously requiring surgery so it was pretty bad so we'll we'll see more uh what happens with that but but it should be pretty interesting to see what they say yeah he's probably definitely out for the masters and all the other major tournaments coming up this year so yeah i mean how many comebacks 
how many comebacks is this guy going to do? Right. It's unfortunate news, but it's good that he's not under a life-threatening situation. Yeah, yeah. I hope that he gets back on track. I hope it really wasn't anything drug or alcohol related, and hopefully he'll uh, he'll be okay. Which I definitely think he will be. Be, but I think the police would have came out and said that it was a result of a DUI in their uh, official statement. Well, they didn't know yet because they said there is no signs of it. But right. obviously, it's going to be under investigation. Anything serious like that is going to be investigated. Hey, maybe it was a car problem where he lost control or something. You never know. Maybe he blacked out behind the wheel. Maybe uh, the car, something happened with the car. Yeah, you do never know. I don't know what kind of car he was driving. But yeah. it'll be interesting to hear. And who knows? We may not even hear the truth. You know, they may just put it out there on, on media and just be like, oh, it was so-and-so. But... You have no right. idea what's going to happen. Obviously, Tiger Woods knows what, what happened, you know. So if they can get out of him or whatever it be, we'll see what happens. Yeah, unfortunate situation. But the golf game has been incredible lately, picking back up. I think Brooks won the Wells or um, the Waste Management Tourney. Uh, I forget Max uh, Fowler or something won this previous tournament where it was in overtime with Tony Finau. Just couldn't close it up for uh, Tony Finau over there. It's been great golfing, and I feel like golf is going to take the world by storm again in the summer. We're going to have so many good golfers on the course. Yeah, the Genesis Invitational was uh, Max Homa. Max Homa, that's what it was, yeah. Never even heard of that guy. Dude, it's just incredible. Like, someone made the case that, like, Pro, the competitive in pro golfing is so like marginally thin that like you could go from one to all the way to like 30 and like it's a hard sport to pick up. Like if you drop the NBA player in like a golf, like PGA, they get smoked. But if you drop like a golfer 100%. into like somewhere else, like they could have better success than like any other athlete, like cross contaminating sports, you know? Yeah, and that is true. Um, I mean, every sport is competitive in its own. You don't ever want to try to put any type of athlete yeah. on skates unless they've played hockey before. That's got to be the hardest because you're literally playing it on blades on ice. Right. Uh, and the speed of the sport. I don't know. Marshawn but... looked like he could play in the NHL pretty soon. Yeah, pretty good balance there. <laughs> yeah, he looked pretty good. J.J. Watts played before. Gronk has played before. There's a few players that have been on the ice. Larry Fitzgerald was on the ice. He looked. Okay, shaky. Brandon, butt. have you ever been on the ice hockey, like skating around playing some, you know, dangling the puck a little bit? He's smooth with it. Uh, nah, nah, boy, <laughs> not good on ice at all. Um, <laughs> Hence live you know, Florida. So, yeah, boy, boy, pretty nice on like street hockey, but, uh, you know, not on the ice. <laughs> street hockey, he's watching that rocket power. You're getting all the analytics from there. The rocket steady. power. Great show. <laughs> you know but boys, going into Daytona 500 here, uh, I just want to clean up from the race from the 14th. Uh, Michael McDowell finished first place, followed by Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, and Denny Hamlin. So nobody we picked, Wes, unfortunately won that race. That race was crazy because of the accident that happened with Kyle Busch starting the whole thing, which you will say no. But And then <laughs> on the 21st, Again, Daytona RC. Christopher you didn't even Bell. mention the wreck that happened to get Michael McDowell the finishing line. I saw that. Nah, I mi- I missed the rest of that race. Been oh, busy, God. boy. 
You didn't see Bills. the highlight? Oh, well, whatever. No, what happened? What happened, though, honestly? Seriously. It was uh, Joey Logano and Brad Kozlowski, like, kind of battling for the lead in the turn three. And then Kozlowski How many hit. Laps? This is the final lap. Oh, that's the final lap. Wow. Because, like, uh, McDowell had a draft on uh, Kozlowski, and I guess Kozlowski was going on the inside and kind of lost control, then hit Logano. And both of them spun out to give McDowell oh, the win. Oh, my God. These these racers, man, are self-destructive. That's crazy. It, you talk about a sport where like a fraction of like an inch makes a difference. NASCAR is dude. I don't care what anybody says. NASCAR is competitive. Like those are athletes behind the wheel. They really are, whether you want to say they are or not. Just because the car is doing all the work. I mean, it is a mentally taxing sport of hours at high speeds sweating in that suit you know the stress of am i gonna place it what where am i gonna be in the standings am i gonna win this race what's gonna happen am i gonna crash i mean these are all thoughts going through their heads throughout the whole race and this is going on for hours at a time and, and just the stress alone of you know shit i'm in first place and now i'm back in you know seventh eighth tenth fifteenth so and so you know the next guy's always trying to get the lead you guys, I mean, this is the best way of comparing it, but you guys have played race car games, and you know how bad it sucks to be in first place and to get moved all the way back in that race, and that's a video game. So you can relate it to real life here. But the Daytona race, the, the RC on uh, on the 21st here, we have Christopher Bell, first place, Joey Logano, second, Denny Hamlin, third, Kurt Busch, fourth, surprising, and Brad Keselowski, fifth. So... Standings are pretty crazy with that. Uh, first place right now, Denny Hamlin, followed by Joey Logano, and then Kevin Harvick in third place. Yeah, did you see Alvin Kamara like tweeting about NASCAR? He's in the NASCAR game now. Did you know that? He's been yeah, he's been in for uh, he's been in for a while actually. Him and Michael Jordan, they had a little sit down with Denny Hamlin. Uh, his juice, his Jordan. juice bars sponsored uh, one of um, their spot like uh, the Jordan race team's cars in the Xfinity series. Yeah, I know. I know he's a he's a fairly big NASCAR fan. I saw this cool. tweet and I freaking laughed. I <laughs> this is what he tweeted. He said, "Hey, so I downloaded a NASCAR video game on my Xbox. Tried to drive the Daytona." And I got tired after like 12 laps was in dead last. So I waited for first place to come around and cause a pile up with that being said, I respect these guys for what they doing right now. Laughing emoji. Dude, it's true. It really is. People that don't know NASCAR, they don't understand. I mean, Wes, honestly, you're not, you understand NASCAR very well. Cause you've been around it too. And like, I understand as well, but being around it, but the thing is you really don't understand what it takes. I mean, how much work, your crew every single week, you got to make sure that you're getting to the race, your car works, that there's nothing wrong with it. You're setting up pit shop there. You know, everything has got the green light. It's a lot of work. It's not just sitting in a car and driving around the track. Plus all the turns, you got to know the track too. Weather conditions. I mean, there's a lot going on. <laughs> he also tweeted about going to the bathroom, like saying, how did they do it? It's just not getting out of the car. Yeah, and I was going to say that too. Well, honestly, I was going to say that about like bathroom breaks. <laughs> Imagine being the final lap and you just can't hold it anymore. And you're like, gosh, well, just might as well let it go. Dehydration is a huge thing too because those guys are going at such uh, 
you know, high speeds for such a long time, especially down in Daytona where it's hot or anywhere where they're driving a, um, on a hot track, especially in the summer, man. I mean, you know this from how bad our, we got those farmer tans at Pocono <laughs> Raceway. Dude, it was it – was, you got that sun beating down on that asphalt, and then you're driving this car around that road, you know, for hours. You're going to get – No AC. You get messed up. No AC, nothing. Just an ice-cold bush late waiting for you after the race, whether you place or not. I mean, it should be right next to you while you're driving on the track. It's enclosed, so you can't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. But once they go to the pit stop, they get <laughs> a little sip and then get back. But no drinking driving. Yeah, focused. Exactly. <laughs> get the get the fluids in your system. All right, anything else, fellas? We had a good show today. Great show. No, I love having expressive Eagles fans on the show, man. They just go crazy over their team. Oh, good old Eagles fans. Yeah, I think that I think everything was good. All right. Well, that is it, everybody. Thanks for joining on. If you have any comments about what the Eagles should do, did Indianapolis win the trade? Did the Eagles win the trade? I mean, people forget they might have like two first round picks next year because of that trade deals. Um, so like, let us know down below. Let us know your thoughts about the NBA, the NHL. Should the NHL factor in that the sun might come out during a noon game? I mean, Gary Bettman's now on track. He probably has a sun catcher, just like just a sun monitor. Just see when that bad boy pops out. So uh, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Bench Bros Sports. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Original Bench Bros. And follow our website, BenchBrosSports.com, where we keep you up to date on every headline throughout the week on those pages. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and other media services. So again, thank you for listening. Guys, final saying goes. Uh, Is anyone excited for the March Madness, like the tournament at all? I watched a bunch of college basketball this past uh, couple of weeks, and like these teams are very competitive. Like Ohio State is now number four. Let's get it, baby. Yeah, but you know who Ohio they State's lost to? Four. They lost Nobody. to Michigan. Nobody. They didn't lose to anybody. Oh, they lost to Michigan. How about that one player I texted you guys about? The one uh, dude with the tattoos? Yeah, man. That yeah, Kyle well, Young. Well, yeah, what was that? <laughs> He's a starting forward for them. For Ohio State? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Is that right there, bud? Dude, like, some, <laughs> some of these guys playing basketball are just wacky. Like, uh, LSU's got, like, a guy with, like, long, like, Zach Efron-style hair with, like, a goatee beard on the bottom. He looks like he could be, like, a southern truck driver. And he's out there, like, falling hoops. <laughs> Oh man, it's funny to watch some of these guys that play basketball. You're right. And then like um there's another big like fat guy just playing center. Kind of like Jokic, but bigger. Like like it got a little more fat juice on him. Just like doing the hook shots, just nailing them down at like a small school. I forget what it's called, but like dude's like clearly 350. You need those you need those dad bod guys out there holding them down. <laughs> Dude, the dad bod guys just like have those big mitts that can get the hand around the ball and just like a death grip. Just like that fluidity. They get the perfect sweat where like the ball just like spins at a perfect rate. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, nobody wants to touch him either. Right. Good on yeah. defense. Stay stay away from me. <laughs> 
they line up for a screen, the guy immediately goes right over to the bench. Like, I ain't touching that, too. <laughs> yeah, no, bad, bad. The court's slippery for everyone else, but he's got those death grip sneakers that just adapt his sweat. <laughs> All right, that was Anthony. That was Brandon. I'm Wes. Thanks for Matlock for joining the show. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, go follow his page. He's doing great content over in uh, the middle of uh, Texas. So that's the show, everybody. We'll see you next week on the Bench Bros Sports Podcast. Let's go out here.